0: Praise God. All right, go open up Mark sixteen if you're not already there. And man, I'm just man. I know you're not supposed to say you're impressed, but I'm impressed with my wife of how quick she's learned the guitar, and um, it's just amazing. Um, and she doesn't come from a musical family or anything that I know of. And, um, but man, just praise the Lord for that. Amen. Um, just been practicing for, what, about eight months or so, and um, praise God, amen. Um, pray that I will be able to pass on to our children, because I am not musically talented at all. And so, that's a gift the Lord has given um, to her, but, um, amen. All right, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word, um, as they did in of old time. Um, in Nehemiah, we see them stood on the platform of wood, um, or talks about on the pulpit of wood. Um, I'm not going to stand on our pulpit. I don't think our pulpit is very sturdy, um, but we're on a platform of wood, amen? Just covered with carpet. And, um, and then they all stood um, for the reading of God's Word. And um, they actually, from what I understand, they read from... Um, The first five books of the Bible, standing the whole time. That'd be a pretty long time to stand, huh? We won't have you do that. We'll just read five verses instead of five books, okay? Um, Verse 15. Actually, it'll be six verses. But he said, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth of not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord, that you continue to be with those that are still um, with family or traveling um, home, and that you be with them for their safety and their travels and Pray, Lord, that they as well have a good time this Christmas season. And we just ask you, Lord, that um, you would bless your word um, and that that you would help give us understanding in a passage that is um, misunderstood um, by many. And um, we just pray, Lord, that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here in this passage, you see them... um, see it talking about them speaking in new tongues. And you see them taking up. It says they'll be able to take up serpents. And that they'll be able to drink um, poison. And we just added the candles just to add to that effect today. As we drink poison and take up snakes. Uh, I'm just kidding, of course. But um, this is from our candlelight service we had for Christmas Eve. But passage of Scripture um, there's much controversy um, shrouded around this passage. Um, many times things are simply um, misunderstood, and, um, but some of it even starts from it. The, the last 12 verses of Mark, um, if you have, um, by any chance have uh, one of the modern versions of the Bible um, with you, um, you may notice, or even if it's a King James Bible that has study notes in it, um, you may find it will say something is, the best manuscript or the, or the earliest manuscripts omit the last 12 verses of Mark. And then that's where some Christians will get around this passage of Scripture, um, of speaking in tongues, drinking poison, and um, laying on of hands, healing the sick, And um, taking up servants, say, you know what? It simply does not belong in the Bible. Um, But the thing is, you know, God promised us He would preserve His Word. You know, Satan's first attacks was to Eve. Yea, have God said? Yea, have God said that um, about talking about? And Satan tells him, "Ye shall be as gods." And tell, Yea, have God said? Don't take of the fruit. He was tempting them to question God's Word. To bring doubt upon what the Word of God says. On what God Himself said. And it's no different today. Many and many times Christians, oftentimes, end up bringing doubt to God's Word. And the only reason that some people contest um, the last 12 verses of Mark, they they give a few different reasons. Um, One of the reasons is um, they say it's not in two of the best manuscripts. And they're referring to the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, which differs from each other in many, many different passages where um, they don't have the same reading, but they are considered... Um, old manuscripts. And they were written on vellum or like a calfskin um, type material, um, that would allow it to, um, um be very durable. Whereas most of the time, people would have been writing the scriptures with papyrus, a a type of paper that would um, easily um, be um, destroyed with wear um, and with use. But um, so some, they'll say the last 12 verses of Mark don't belong in there because these two um, manuscripts um, do not have it in there. Um, Dean John Bergen in the 1800s, He um, wrote a great book on the defense of the last 12 verses um, of Mark. Um, Many scholars today would exclude them, again, just based on them not being in those two manuscripts from the 4th century. However, as Dean Bergen's point out and others have discovered, is that um, besides the Greek manuscripts of scriptures. And what they what they'll contest is that the Greek manuscripts that have the last twelve verses of Mark um, come after the fourth century, the fifth century, the sixth century. And so they'll say that it was added to. But what you end up finding is you end up seeing church fathers, people of the first, second century Christians that quoted from Mark and quoted Passages that are contained in these last 12 verses. So they were quoting from something that had these verses in it. Even though it was not a Greek manuscript, we see the church fathers in Greek did quote um, from this passage, attesting that it was there. But also there's early translations before the 4th century, translations in the second and third century, and the fourth century, um, the translate the, the um the old Latin Vulgate, um and even the the newer Latin Vulgate, I believe, has as well. But the older Latin Vulgate and the Peshito, um, contain these passages. So they were translated from some Greek manuscript that we don't have today. Just because we don't have the actual physical copy today of the, in the Greek does not mean it does not belong in there. As we see church fathers quoted from the passage and attributed to Mark. We see early translations of the Bible in other languages um, contain it. And interestingly, in the um, Codex B, in the, in, in the Vaticanus, There is a blank column. There are no blank columns in the manuscript at all, except for the book of Mark, which would equal um, the amount of verses it would take to fill the space. So either they were um, intentionally omitted, or they just didn't have have that portion of Mark where they got that manuscript from, um, or perhaps they're saying that, you know what, there's something else. Here's a blank spot. We still need to fill in the rest. Or maybe again, it was just erased completely um, from it. Some would continue to claim that the last 12 verses of Mark don't belong in there because it has a different style and vocabulary from the rest of Mark. They say that there are um, 27 words... And phrases that only occur in Mark 16, 9-20. They say there's 27 words that don't exist anywhere else in Mark. So, this had to be added. However, that is a very... Um, Poor scholarship method. Just to think, because they use, it, they use words there, they don't use. If I write a lengthy letter to someone and I include some words I did not include somewhere else, does not make it not authentic. In fact, if you take the twelve verses previous to these twelve, it says um, you can find seventeen words not used elsewhere in Mark. That doesn't then mean that that is not um, authentic, and um, you could trust the Word of God. You could trust what is in your King James Bible. That you could trust that God did preserve His Word for us. God did not give us His Word and then want us to figure out does this belong in the Bible or does this or or, or what, what do we know? God is not the offer of confusion. It is Satan that has often wanted to cause doubt. Now, reading the passage, I mean, we'll deal with that subject a little bit more, um, probably in two, three months or so, where we'll really dive into this historically and biblically. But we don't have time today. But um, a part of this passage, um, in verse sixteen, it says, "He that believeth and is baptized." Shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Many churches' groups will use this passage to teach baptismal regeneration, that someone after they put their faith in Christ, they have to get baptized in water to complete their salvation. But that is heretical, that is not scriptural, that is not biblical. I'm going to they will use this verse to say it because it says he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, yeah, if you believe and you're baptized, yeah, you're saved. You're not saved because of the baptism. Same as if I was to say, if you believe in the gospel and you come to church, you're saved. Is that true? Yes. Did coming to church save you? No, not at all. Does baptism save you? No, not at all. But as we see in the early church, and how it should be is, when someone gets saved, immediately they go to get baptized. It's a public testimony and identification that they are following Jesus Christ. Notice it does not say, he that believeth and is baptized not is condemned. It simply says, he that believeth not is damned. Not including the baptism. The gospel never changes. The gospel is everlasting. And you look at the life of the apostles, comparing scripture with scripture, um, we see that the apostles preach salvation by grace through faith alone. In First Corinthians one, the apostle Paul—you could look that, look that up later, or you can even look at while I'm talking—but First 1 Corinthians one. The Apostle Paul said that God sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Okay, now, baptism is part of the Great Commission. We're to teach all nations. We're to baptize and to teach, and to teach whatsoever Christ have commanded. But Paul was saying his focus on his ministry was not on the baptism, but preaching of the gospel. And he said, I think, God, I baptize none of you, but just a few. Lest someone would say, I was baptized in the name of Paul. And he rebukes them for their division based on their preachers they were following or who baptized them. But he clearly said that God sent him to preach the gospel, not to baptize. Well, if baptism was necessary for salvation... That would have needed to be part of the gospel. But it's not. Baptism is simply a picture of that. Of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And a picture of us dying to self, dying to the old man, and raise again a new creature because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Not because of the baptism, but the baptism is a picture There are New Testament examples where, like, where they preach them and tell them that if you believe the gospel, you shall be saved. If you believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose again, thou shalt be saved. You have the thief on the cross who Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He never got down from the cross and entered a baptistry or entered a river to get baptized. It was not necessary for salvation. Now, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we ought to get baptized out of obedience to what Christ has commanded us to do. But baptism, water baptism, has never regenerated anyone. It has never given anybody um, new life. You know, there's a um, new song. I saw it. it was being critiqued um, by the secular media for a different reason than the reason I would critique it for. Um, Carrie Underwood um, wrote a new song, Faith-Based, and about how um, she was touched the water and her life was transformed. And it kind of basically gives an idea of baptismal regeneration. Now, the media were attacking her because she did a faith-based song, um, I'm giving a critique more because it, it confuses the gospel. Our life is not transformed by going into this water. There's nothing different or holy. This just comes from the tap water. Just right here, you turn this on, and it's water. I can't do any hocus pocus and give it any salvation benefit. It's just water. Hey? But people will sometimes use this verse to teach baptismal regeneration or that you were born again by being baptized. But it, it, Jesus is simply saying that he that believeth in is baptized. Usually, you know, someone got saved, they got baptized. And he tells them that there's salvation. But he says, but it's he that believeth not they shall be damned. Not he that is um, baptized um, not. And um, so that's another part that oftentimes controversy comes from there, is they'll try to teach baptismal regeneration because of that. The other things are the sign gifts. Um, there's um, what, in theological circles, they classify as a cessationist and a non-cessationist. A cessationist would believe that some of the gifts, some of the spiritual gifts have um seized with the completion of this, of the scripture and um, as such as um, working of miracles um, speaking in tongues um, faith um, um, faith healing um, as far or faith healers Okay, faith healing is has not passed away okay? James wrote about um, the prayer of the faith shall save the sick. But the power that the apostles and some they transferred the gift to, where Paul would be able to walk by somebody, and somebody touched his handkerchief and they were healed. Or we see Peter and John coming and raising the dead life. Do you don't see any self-proclaimed faith healers raising the dead, you know. And if their ministry is authentic, why are they not going to the hospitals? Why aren't they going there and raising them? Okay, so a, a non cessationist would believe that the gifts are still in operation, the speaking in tongues, of um, do, um, doing miracles, um, um, which would be usually the charismatic groups, um, Pentecostals, and um, but in reality, most charismatics are still cessationists to some point. They may be different on exactly where, what they believe stop, but I don't see the... Um, I, at least I haven't heard of it. Norma, correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't think the um, Pentecostal church, the um, Jesus' name only one, I don't think they drink poison during their church service, do they? Okay, okay. Okay, I, I, yeah, I know there's some... Do, and um and I they don't take up snakes either, do they? Are they taking poisonous snakes? I I didn't think so. But Jesus said this is what would happen. They said those that believe would take up serpents and drink poison. But yet, see, the cessation is to a degree too. They're not drinking the poison. They're not um taking up rattlesnakes. Um they're not having even though they may claim speak in tongues they're not having cloven tongues of fire come above their head they're not having a mighty rushing wind um come through their service as it did on the day of Pentecost almost everyone is cessationist to some degree okay not everyone would believe that there are apostles and prophets today now, many of the charismatic movement, some of them do. Some of them claim to be super apostles, that they are um, even more superior to the apostles in the scripture. But one of the qual- a couple of the qualifications of an apostle was they had to have um, seen the resurrected Christ. They had to come from the baptism of John, according to um, Acts chapter 1, which none of them have seen the resurrected Christ. And when we read in Revelation, it talks about there being twelve gates or twelve pearls um, that represent the apostles of the Lamb. It was limited in number. The apostles and prophets were the foundation of the church. But now, the gift of prophecy in that sense, um, Hebrews 1 talks about how God in time passed. ...have spoken by the prophets, but now speaks through His Son, Jesus Christ. Most charismatics, they they don't claim to be writing Scripture. And so, in a way, they still believe that they believe that gift has ceased. Now, some of them will say that they are given prophecies that are sometimes on par with Scripture, they'll say... And, um, but then, yet, they'll defend why some of their prophecies don't come to pass. Um, which the Bible speaks about if a prophet was to um, preach something, prophesy something that didn't come to pass, they were a false prophet and often stoned um, for their um, heresy. But again, you don't see them handling serpents or taking drinking um, poison. So what were these? Because Jesus did say this is part of Scripture. He did say, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up servants. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall um, recover. Oh, well, these were, as she said, these were signs. A sign, what should his service purpose... It is no, uh, it is no longer needed. Um, they were signs for the infancy of the church to Israel. Um, the Jews required a sign. First um, Corinthians one twenty two says, "For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom." And and it, we gotta understand what was the purpose of signs and miracles. As you read through the Scriptures, the point of them was to authenticate the message and God's messenger in times of transition. Historically, we see miracles largely occurred in clusters in three periods. Mosaic, prophetic, and apostolic eras. Um, Miracles were neither always continuous nor unpurposeful in their manifestation. We see that in the time that, that Mosaic, the time of Moses, that there's the giving of the law, and God authenticated that message through miracles. We see then the prophets that when the prophets came, God would authenticate that message with miracles. Jesus came, the message was authenticated by miracles and by the, um, the apostles um, doing miracles. Theolog- theologically, um, the three great periods of miracles had common elements. We see each time there, it was marked by transition. There was a giving of new revelation. The giving of the law. The giving of prophecy. And then the Son of God coming and, and, and the church um, Beginning. We see Moses did miracles and delivered Israel from Egypt. That Elijah and Elisha performed miracles um, to deliver Israel from idolatry. That Jesus and the apostles utilized miracles to confirm the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. That these occurred at special times and special places for special purposes um, doesn't show that they persist. With continually. Um, you know, Jesus even called it a sign. You know, we don't see manna coming from bread anymore. Why? It fulfilled its purpose. It fulfilled its purpose in feeding the Israelites. And also to picture that Jesus is the true bread that came down from heaven. Second Corinthians 12.12 12 says... Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. That these were supernatural gifts that Jesus endowed upon his apostles, as well as gave him the ability to at times transfer these gifts to others through the laying on of hands. Of Timothy giving the gift of prophecy through the laying on of hands. But we see these were signs of an apostle. Acts 5.15, we see that much this being fulfilled. "...insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem." Bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Every one, not just some of them, every one of them was healed. You know, you watch any of the um, the Benny Hinn crusades or the these faith healers? They do not have a one hundred percent success rate. You know what Jesus the apostles did. Acts 2.47 says, "...and they were filled with the whole, all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language." And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Here we see the gift of tongues in operation. It was not some mystical, blah, 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 blah prayer language. It was, they spoke in other tongues. That means language. They spoke in other languages that they didn't know, they didn't study, they didn't prepare for, but the Spirit of God gave them utterance and they spoke in other tongues and people heard the gospel in their own language. Now, today in the charismatic movement, they try to say that you haven't been baptized with the Spirit of God unless you speak in tongues. That you don't have the evidence of salvation unless you speak in tongues. And now, there's varying degrees. Not all of them would believe that. Um, But many of them believe that you must speak in tongues as evidence that you have the Spirit of God. But you know, when we have Christ, we have the Spirit of God. The Bible says when we put our trust in Christ, we are sealed with the Holy Ghost. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise till the day of redemption. And the Bible clearly says, even back then, not all have the gift of speaking in tongues. Not that all Christians nor of all ages would possess all these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, go ahead and turn there. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28. It says, Then God have set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The point he is implying is not everybody has these gifts. Not everyone has the gift of speaking in tongues. Not all of them had the gift of prophecy. But the Spirit of God gave as He seemed fit. It wasn't something that you just coerce yourself in or a preacher tries to manipulate you to do speaking. In 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll cover this uh, late, um, another day where we'll really get in detail, but the church at Corinth were rebuked and corrected for how they were speaking in tongues. Many times people will use it to support their belief in speaking in tongues today and what they do, but Paul is rebuking them. He is correcting them for speaking in an unknown tongue. It wasn't the supernatural gift where someone would hear the Word of God in their own language. It was just babble. And he said, I would much rather speak five words with my understanding than a thousand words without understanding. And he said, if someone speaks in an unknown tongue, someone that nobody would understand but God. And see, then he'll say that you know what? That's a prayer language. No. It's that if, if there was someone in here that spoke a language that you did not understand, only he and God would understand it. If there is nobody that knows Japanese and someone spoke in Japanese here. Say, we, say I had a Japanese teacher teach and they taught in the language Japanese. And I'm just assuming if nobody knew that language. There may be someone that does. But if nobody knew that language, that is an unknown tongue to us. Now, God understands him. And that's what Paul says. Let him speak to himself and knew God. Or let there be an interpreter. If there is someone in here that knows Japanese, then they could could go ahead and they could teach, and then we could have an interpreter so we would all be edified. And so you find that First Corinthians fourteen. We don't have time to get that, go there, but write that down, and test what I say. Test what I say that where it be according to the scriptures. We also see. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians thirteen. First Corinthians thirteen, verse eight. Second, I'm in the wrong one. First Corinthians 13, verse 8 it says, "Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail; whether there be tongues, they shall cease; whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away." When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You know what? Some of these things were needed for a period of time. That is a child. It's an infant. Would maybe need some things. Sometimes it's eventually put away. And now there is um, considerable debate on whether this is talking about... Um, the written Word of God, or Jesus Christ when, when He returns um, and will be known as we are known. Um, and so, I'm not going to address that because some of that I, I don't know. Well, as far as where prophecy, now we know the prophecy sees um, with the completion of Scripture. And the, the, the knowledge of that kind of revelation. Um, the, the speaking in tongues here is in the middle voice. That, that, that prophecies and the knowledge would vanish away when that which is perfect is come. But that tongues would cease in the middle voice, meaning that it would um, cease all on its own. For further examination in that is, we need to ask ourselves, what was the purpose in the gift of tongues? Why? What was it for? Okay, We don't have manna coming down every day. We don't have the Red Sea being parted. When Bruce goes into the um, Cowlitz River, they don't just part for him. He has to wear waders. Why not? Don't we serve the same God? Is He not powerful enough to do it? Of course He is. But... God fulfilled his purpose in dividing the Red Sea, serve his purpose in putting manna. And he has served his purpose in the gift of speaking in tongues. The gift of tongues was specifically assigned to unbelieving Israel. Isaiah 28. Um, If you could turn there fast enough, you could turn there. Isaiah 28, verse 11 says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little." A prophecy is a twofold prophecy one with the Assyrian captivity of Israel, that they would be another tongue, but it was or it goes on that that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. but it is also a twofold prophecy, a prophecy of the purpose of the gift of speaking in tongues. first Corinthians fourteen verse twenty one twenty two says, In the law it is written, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me say of the Lord. Uh, um, wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them but that believe. Okay? Tongues wasn't for just a bunch of believers, just to speak in tongues, just to have a good time. It was a sign to the Unbelieving um, unbelieving Israel. Not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesy and serve of not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. That the preaching of the gospel, the preaching that is how we are edified is believers, and also the foolishness of preaching of how people are saved, how people respond to the gospel. But this was a sign to unbelieving Israel, and then we see is it, what happened. They would fall backward. They, they would be stumbled. They would be broken. And so, basically, I believe tongue sees probably around seventy A.D., somewhere after Jerusalem was came in, Israel was taken over. That it served its purpose to unbelieving Israel. It was not a sign for the believers. Now, believers would be the ones speaking in tongues, and people would hear the gospel. But nowhere was there ever a prayer language, and this purpose was a sign to unbelieving Israel. And that purpose was fulfilled. Now, can God do it today? Sure, God could do it today if He so sovereignly chose to. But as we see in the pattern of, of Scripture, we see, see it has fulfilled its purpose and it was to show to Israel that God would make of all peoples Jews and Gentiles is one body now healing you know, there's some that will teach that you're not, if, if you're sick, if you're ill, you're not right with God. That, that you need to have faith and that you need to have a walk with God so you're better. That you need to go to a faith healer and that you need to confess your sins and, and they'll forgive you. Some, not all of them, would go that extreme and say that. I'm trying, trying to be fair. But you know, in the Bible, where even miracles abounded... We got to understand what was the purpose of the miracles. It was to authenticate the message. We didn't have the whole New Testament written yet. This was still all new revelation. And so it was to authenticate the word of God. But not everybody was always healed. We see that Paul had the thorn in his flesh. We see um, that Ephroditus, the Bible talks about how Paul left him sick. If Paul had the gift of healing, what she did, why didn't he heal him? Why didn't he just lay hands on him and have him be healed? Well, that, the purpose of healing wasn't just so we would be healed or just so we would be healthy. It was one, to fulfill Bible prophecy, but also it was to authenticate the message. Well, to Ephroditus, the message was already authenticated. He already believed in the Word of God. There are many godly people today with health conditions that are in different handicaps that have not been healed. James on the walker. That does not mean that he is not right with God. That does not mean that he does not have faith. People were often sick. And we're not healed. Philemon 2.26, 1 Timothy 5.23, 2 Timothy 4.20. Now, faith healing continues today, but not faith healers. Okay. Now, snake handlers. Okay. Most of the groups, even the charismatics, believe snake handling is seized. They're not practicing it. They're not all taking up rattlesnakes. However, there are a few fringe groups that do. There's some in Kentucky, some in others, and they'll take up rattlesnakes. Um, um, Wendy, let's see, is it Bag, yeah, Wendy Bagwell, um, was a part of the Sunlighter Southern Gospel, um, quartet. They would be invited to speak in churches, and, um, one time we had preach preacher call him. And say, hey, I hear you guys do great music. I've heard some of your music. And I heard that you, um, you'll come to small churches um, that can't afford a love offering. And you'll come no, at no charge. And he said, absolutely. You know what? We trust the Lord. We go with small churches. We go with bigger churches. God always provides. And he goes, well, that's us. We're that small church. We have no money at all. And he goes, will you come? He goes, absolutely. He goes, great. He goes, we only got 24 members, and that's it. And, um, but, man, we know how it was shouted out. And um, he said when he went there, he knew why there were only 24 members. And uh, he, they got up there. They started to do their singing, and people were shouting. People were doing like I do at times and jump on the pew. And they were just shouting. They were screaming it out. And they were doing their music. and And... And then all of a sudden, a couple of ladies go out and open this, open this casket or this box and bring out five rattlesnakes. And they're shaking them. They're dancing with them. They're shouting with them. And, 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 and then the lady took her shoes off, threw one of the rattlesnakes on the floor, and put her, uh, took her shoe off, put her barefoot on the rattlesnake's head. And then, and then, he, um, and then the tail hit him. As um, he was singing, and he started shouting, and 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 the lady thought he was being filled with the Holy Ghost, so she started to hand him one. And he's like, "No, that's not the kind of shouting I'm doing." <laughs> and so, and and it, I believe it was his wife or someone part of the group. Start, she started to get white, get pale, and she's like, "We need to get out of here." And he goes, "You know, what, don't worry. You know, if you need to go, just go ahead and slide out. Go out the back door." And she goes, I already checked. There ain't one. And, and he goes, well, you reckoned that we could make one and stuff. So, and so they're just, and then the service concluded. And the pastor says, I hope you didn't disapprove of what was going on. And it's like, oh, you, you, if you guys have that much faith, you guys go for it. And then the lady says, what are you saying you don't have that faith? Are you saying if Jesus told you to pick up a snake, you wouldn't do it? And he goes, oh no, I would do it. But he didn't tell me to do that. <laughs> and then he asks, he, asked, well, he goes, there's all these pictures. And this is strange. There's pictures on the wall with people in their caskets. Preacher, what is that? He goes, oh, those were the people. They had the faith to take up the serpent. But they lost their faith. And they got bit. So, some do take this passage and abuse the scripture like that. But that is not what Jesus was saying to do. That, that is rather against what Jesus said to do, where he says, Tempt not the Lord thy God. Okay, when Satan was trying to bring out, cast yourself off the cliff. He said, Tempt not the Lord thy God. But we see God providentially, miraculously protected. His people, and of course could continue, does it today. But we, 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 we see in Acts 28, 3 to 6, that when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, um, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he have escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffer of not to live. They're like, you know what? Yeah, this guy, the gods are going to kill him. He, he, said he was saved from the sea, the shipwrecks, but the serpent's going to kill him. And then he shook the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they look when he should have swooned or fallen down dead suddenly... But after they had looked a great while, and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was the God. which well, she wasn't God, but to the barbarians, that's what they thought. You didn't see the Apostle Paul continue to handle and go, ooh, just what I wanted, let's play, let's have a good time. Now, you know what, in the Millennial Kingdom, we'll be able to do that. You know, the Bible talks about um, the snakes, the adder, and that a child will be able to play with them, that... That where there is no sin and there will be that won't happen. Well, there will be some sin in the middle of the kingdom, but not from not from the redeemed, the ones that are already in their glorified bodies. But we see what Paul did was he threw it into the fire. Okay, he did not continue to play with it. But God miraculously protected them, and you see this all throughout the church history where people were miraculously taken care of. And um, you see, we don't see in Scripture any examples in the New Testament, as far as I'm aware, of anybody drinking poison. But this was not a command of Jesus saying, drink poison and it won't hurt you. It wasn't saying, take a gallon of bleach and just start goggling and show people your faith. Oh, well, he's saying that, you know, when, when, they, when the people, when they were persecuted under persecution, and they would poison them, miraculously, they would not die from it. That God protected um, them. As so we affirm that the purpose of the sign gifts, that, that's God's providential protection, but of the sign gifts that was authentication rather than the display of normative Christianity, the speaking in tongues, the, the different miracles, the faith um, healers. Um, but there is a common thread you often see in modern day faith healers or um, miracle workers, things that you see common. You need to be discerning. You need to know your Bible. It's will deceive. But very common among them is false teachings. Some of them will deny, reject the Trinity. Um, some, they'll teach the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. That if you're not wealthy, you're not right with God, you're not having enough faith, you're not giving enough um, to, the, to their ministry. Um, they'll, they'll teach that um, Gabe Benny Hinn for us out. He taught that Jesus was going to physically appear in Kenya, Africa. And Jesus said that there would be false prophets. And when they say that Christ is in the desert or he is in the cave, believe it not. For they are false prophets. Believe it not. But you see, it's a common thread of those that claim these supernatural powers often have false teachings and phony miracles that they don't really want investigated. Most often, there are things like, oh, I got a headache, I got a migraine, I got a stomachache. And then they'll have some that they'll come and walk out of the wheelchair. You'll see them get out of the wheelchair. And and they're like this. And they're like, oh, I'm walking. I've never been able to do this. You know, when Jesus healed, it was instantaneous. It was completely... We see that Jesus, when He healed, they weren't just kind of wobbling. They were up. They took up their bed. He healed the blind. You don't see these modern miracle workers doing that. They're not making the blind to see. They're not making the deaf to hear. They'll maybe say someone that's hard of hearing, and then there's that psychology where they start feeling like, oh, I hear a little bit better now. The New Testament miracles, scripturally, they were instantaneous. They were completely, they were lasted. The only miracle that didn't last was raising from the dead. Because when he rose someone dead, eventually they still died later on. But then you know what? We, there will be the resurrection where we will be raised incorruptible. Jesus warned about many who would claim sign. Many of these gifts. He said in Matthew 7 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And elsewhere, Jesus said, The will of the Father was to believe on him whom he hath sent. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And other other pastors talk about how they use their ministry more to serve their bellies, which is their God. They take advantage um, of the people. Um, They take advantage of the poor. You often see great sexual scandals. um, What you see that happen in every group, everywhere. You know, if people fall, we have the sinful nature. But in the Pentecostal charismatic circles, you see it pretty often. And then they stay in the ministry after it happens. Mark chapter 16. Some want to say it's not part of Scripture. It is. You know, it would be an awkward stop. You know, they, they say that it ends with verse 8. It says, And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulchre, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. To end right there. No resurrected Christ. No, no um, resurrection appearances. But we see what goes on. We do see the resurrected Christ. This is inspired scripture. And then the scripture is often misunderstood. Some teach baptismal regeneration. We covered that briefly. When um, we see these sign gifts, what Jesus said was a sign um, to them, those that they, 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 the believers, they would believe. And many of it was a sign to unbelieving Israel to authenticate the message of the word of God of the new revelation. We see the focus in the passage was, in verse 15, we see, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, and he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God, he ascended to the Father, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. That new revelation, the word was getting out. It was confirmed by the miracles. And now we have the revealed word of God, and we are to continue to preach the word, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The verse I mentioned that where it says the Jews require a sign. 1 Corinthians 1, says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Now, the le- evidence of living by faith is not taking up rattlesnakes. That's the evidence of stupidity. The evidence of faith is upholding the word of God. Putting our faith in God's word. And even with the supernatural gifts that Jesus gave his apostles and those um, they had contact with, Jesus told them, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. See, even then, they weren't rejoicing in the miracles that they were doing. Except suffered the miracle of Jesus Christ, the, of salvation by grace through faith. They were rejoicing because their names were written in heaven. Christ has always been the focus, not the gifts. Christ gives gifts, different gifts, for the edification of the body. And we see that speaking in tongues was the gift assigned for unbelieving Israel. The scribes and Pharisees wanted a sign from Jesus. Jesus rebuked them and gave them one sign, the resurrection. End of discussion. Matthew 12:38 says, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. That was the one sign that he was focused on that was given. But then even is. Um, Abraham said that even though one rose from the dead, they will not, would not believe. When Lazarus and the rich man, um, the rich man was in hell. It, and Abraham told him, even if one rose from the dead, they would not believe. You know what? Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and there are still many that do not believe. And there are many that haven't heard. That's where Jesus said, go ye and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel to, to the whole world. You know, that sounds kind of overwhelming. I kind of feel stuck in Washington. I can't go to the whole world. I can't afford to go to the whole world. But it's a commission to a church. You know, we do support missionaries. When you give toward missionaries, we send the money to the missionaries to help them give the gospel in other parts of the world. That fruit would abound to your account. Now we may not personally be able to reach the entire world. But it's the one the one poem says, talks about a young man going to a beach. Seeing an old seeing an old man, he said said that he just saw him tossing starfish into the ocean. The young man said, What are you doing? So I'm trying to save these starfish. It's, sun, it's sunny out, it's hot out, it's drying them out. And the young man scoffed at him. He says, the beach is massive. You're not going to be able to get to all of them. It is impossible. The old man picked up another starfish. He said, I made a difference for this one. Made a difference for that one. You, know, you may not personally be able to get to the whole world, but we see it's the church. You know what Christ uses his churches to get the gospel everywhere, and you can make a difference with the people around you, the people you meet. Don't be so focused on the sign gifts. Be focused on Jesus Christ, on him, seeing him high and lifted up. Let's go ahead and spend a moment in prayer. We um, won't worry about the piano player coming, but you spend some time in prayer right now and ask the Lord to help you to make a difference in the life of others and get the gospel out. Tell them about the death, the burial, the resurrection. Some people are believing in their baptism for salvation and maybe God would use you to show them the gospel of putting their faith completely in Jesus Christ. Some think that they're not saving unless they speak in tongues. Well, you know what? You could give them the gospel. It's Jesus Christ that saves, not speaking in tongues. It's the Lord. Maybe who there is you could help share the gospel with. Maybe it's someone you've already shared the gospel with before. But you can again. Maybe there will be people you run into today, tomorrow, this week, this new year. We've read through the Gospel of Mark. We've studied it verse by verse. Went through the entire Gospel of Mark. And we see it closes with going into all the world and preaching the Gospel. Jesus' last command ought to be our first priority. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, that if there is anybody in here that does not yet know you as their Savior, that they won't keep seeking after different religions, but that they will come to Jesus Christ alone. That you are the way, the life. That you are the truth. That you offer the eternal life. That we could all have the greatest gift of all. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that um, bless the remain of the day, in Jesus' name, Amen.